Well, again, Happy New Year, uh, liturgical year that is. As we begin a new year, let's uh, quickly review salvation history. The first age of salvation history uh, was with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before the fall, before sin entered the world. They were in a perfect harmony with God, with each other, and all of creation. There was a tree of life that, which the fruit allowed them to live forever, forever on earth. That is where our natural desire to live forever comes from, whether it be constantly seem to be famous enough to be remembered in the history books. After the fall, after sin entered the world, God mercifully kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, so they could no longer eat of the Tree of Life, and thus live forever in a fallen world where sin, death, and disease constantly threatened our well-being. Thus the second age of salvation history. The second age is basically the Old Testament of the Bible. There was hope, there was hope that the Messiah would eventually come. And Jesus the Messiah does eventually come. And Jesus with his coming to the world ushers in the third age of salvation history. Jesus' incarnation, death, and resurrection allows us to have hope of eternal life in heaven. Tradition tells us that the holy souls of the Old Testament had to wait until Jesus' resurrection before the gates of heaven were opened to them. Again, as I have mentioned before, this third age is a weird one. We know that Jesus wins the war, but the battle between good and evil rages on. The analogy I've used before is that of a victory ceasefire being declared to end a war, but that the ceasefire is for the next day. So for one more day, a soldier needs to keep fighting to try to stay alive until the ceasefire takes effect. So again, in this third age of salvation history, Jesus has declared victory, but the ceasefire has not yet taken place. Sin still runs rampant in our world. We still need to fight against evil. The church reminds us based on the words of Jesus that we are, that we are in the end times. The fourth age of salvation history will start when Jesus comes back. The general judgment will happen. All human souls will be joined up with their bodies as we profess uh, will happen whenever we say the creed. And then everyone will either go to heaven or hell for all eternity. So the prophet Jeremiah writes our first reading in the second age of salvation history, after the fall, but before the coming of Jesus. Jeremiah, for the first 30 chapters, writes doom and gloom, reminding the people that they have been destroyed and exiled because of their sins. However, by the time we get to our first reading, chapter 33, Jeremiah writes about a day where there will be no more death, slavery, or exile. In our reading, Jeremiah writes that the Lord will one day fulfill the promise he made to Israel and Judah. This would be the northern and southern kingdoms. God declares that he will raise up a shoot of David. Jesus is. Jesus is a shoot of David. Jesus, even though he was born into poverty, through his human parents, Jesus can trace his lineage back to King David. Jeremiah goes on to say that in the days of the shoot of David, Judah will be safe and Jerusalem, the capital of the Jewish people, will be secure. 
So there was great anticipation among the Jews for this coming shoot of David, for this coming Messiah. Jeremiah prepares the people for the first coming of Jesus. As Christians, we believe that Jeremiah is speaking figuratively. We believe that Judah is an image of the Catholic Church. Remember Jesus promises Peter in Matthew chapter 16 verse 19 that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now obviously people in the church do evil things, but just as Jesus promised Peter that the church will not teach error in official teaching capacity, so too here God is promising through Jeremiah the same thing, that the new Judah, the Catholic Church, will be kept safe from teaching error. Because Jesus was so faithful in fulfilling all the promises when he came the first time 2,000 years ago, we can have faith in Jesus' second coming. Just as Jeremiah in the first reading prepares people for Jesus' first coming, here in the Gospel, Jesus himself prepares us for his second coming at the end of time. Jesus says there will be signs. However, we need to be careful. There have been hundreds of people in the last 2,000 years that have declared that the second coming is upon us. However, obviously all of those have been wrong so far. But one can say, Father, but if Jesus has, it will come silently, kind of like he did the first time, why wouldn't he do that again? Now it is true, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to a carpenter and a young virgin who were extraordinary in their holiness, but quite ordinary to the rest of the world. Other than the angels, the magi, and the shepherds, Jesus' entry into human history was un went unnoticed. So could Jesus come again in obscurity? No. We know from today's reading from other parts of Scripture that Jesus' second coming will happen to much fanfare. Here Jesus says the Son of Man, which is himself, Jesus, will come in a cloud with great power and great glory. The whole world will know when Jesus comes back again. So I think the more important takeaway is that we need to always be ready ready for Jesus' return. Jesus' return at the end of time. Jesus tells his disciples not to be drowsy from carousing or drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. So even if we are not carousing around or getting drunk, are we allowing anxieties in our daily life to be keep us from preparing our body and souls for the second coming of Jesus? Are we going to be prepared or are we going to be caught by surprise? Jesus describes his second coming as an assault on everyone. Are we going to have the spiritual strength to escape the tribulations and stand before the Son of Man, to stand before Jesus? It is good to remind ourselves that earth is not our final home. Our final home is heaven. It is heaven that we need to prepare for day in and day out. At the end of our lives and especially at the end of time, no one is going to ask about our bank account. But God will ask us about love, how well we loved one another. The second reading is St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. St. Paul reminds us to allow God to increase the love we have for one another. Loving someone does not mean that you always love everything they do. In fact, love means in some ways the opposite. St. Paul says to love someone means to help them become blameless in holiness. 
I was listening to Father Mike's, uh, Mike Schmidt's Bible in a Year podcast earlier this week. Uh, and, oh my gosh, I think I'm like two months behind. But anyways, he was saying something to the effect of don't let your kids get away with something you wouldn't want in a friend. Yes, sometimes it's hard to discipline and sometimes it requires a lot of effort. But if they don't receive correction from you, uh, their parent, they're going to repeat that behavior and someone who doesn't quote have to love them will be turned off by that behavior. And they will have one less friend in the world because you let that obnoxious behavior continue. But this actually doesn't just apply to parents and children. This applies to all of us. Are we willing to love one another enough to help each other grow in holiness? Are we going to help each other shed obnoxious behavior by lovingly correcting them? But I think even the bigger question in, the, in a world of pseudo-acceptance, in a world of pseudo-tolerance, in a world of relativism, is are we going to receive correction from others as an act of love? Or are we going to perceive correction as an act of hate? We do not know when our lives will end and or when time will end. We do not know the hour of our deaths nor the hour of Jesus' second coming. So we must conduct ourselves accordingly. We must at all times strive for holiness. We must at all times strive for loving God and our neighbor. Sometimes loving our neighbor means tough love and giving correction. We also need to become better at receiving correction. The next time you find yourself saying, who does she or he think he is? How dare they say that about me? Well, it could be. Maybe you're right. Your initial reaction is right. Maybe they are wrong. But before you dismiss their correction, double check because they may just be correct. Advent is a penitential season. Not as much as Lent, but we do use the color purple in our liturgical in our liturgy for a reason during Advent. So as we prepare to celebrate Jesus' first coming, take some time to reflect and see how we can better prepare for Jesus' second coming. Is there some bad habits we need to get rid of that are keeping us from loving God and our neighbor? Today is the first day in the rest of eternity. We were created for eternity and we live for eternity. The question is, will we spend eternity in heaven or hell? May we strive, starting now, to prepare for eternity in heaven.